Welcome back, Intimates. I'm excited to find you experts to talk about love, connection, non-monogamy, polyamory, relationship anarchy, group sex, kink, commitment, and lots of other intimacy and relationship topics. Let's live our best lives together by unlearning stigma and getting clear on what we really want. Don't know what to ask for? I have loads of ideas for you. Of course, none of this would be possible without the support of my amazing Patreon supporters or my current hosts, the Musqueam First Nation on whose unceded lands this podcast was made and this human was born. If you want to support more intimate interactions, you can say thank you by supporting us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. Patreon supporters also get every episode of the podcast ad-free with short intros and outros. I know funds are not an option for some of you lovely humans, but don't fret, there are other ways you can help out. You can help make more intimate interactions by just telling someone you listen to this podcast. Or if you're feeling especially generous, you can share a link to an episode you like and discuss it with a friend or partner, or even leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting site. Help other humans interested in more intimacy and better relationships find us. If you have your own podcast, shout us out. Need a podcast guest? Email offers to podcast at victorsalmon.com. I love talking about relationships and intimacy, and I love cross-promotion and working with other podcasters. Okay, let's hear about today's episode. Yana, my soon-to-be doctoral candidate for a doctorate in either criminology or theater, depending on how it all shakes out, discusses her passion for true crime. We talk about victim-centered approaches to true crime that are respectful and informative while mentioning that fascination that we have for the little mistakes in the system that for the right person when put together in the right way can somehow lead to these horrible tragedies. Understanding how we go wrong is part of making the world a better place. Yana's research, of course, focuses on reducing recidivism and improving outcomes for incarcerated people and is really fascinating. We won't be touching on Yana's research in this session, but if you're curious, I encourage you to go back and listen to those episodes. Enjoy! Welcome to another session of Intimate Interactions. I'm here with Yana Skorstengard, uh, master's. You, you you have your master's, right? Are you are you writing your thesis for your master's? I am currently writing my thesis and have applied to PhD programs. So fingers crossed. Sweet. I was I was gonna say I was like, how are you not a doctor yet? I feel like you've been in school forever. And then I was like, I feel like she feels like that more than I do. Oh, I've been in school. I think. Uh, let's see, KPU, BFS. So that's. Five. I've been in school for about 10 years <laughs> and I'm not a doctor yet. Yep. Another six more to go. I almost said, geez, you really sound like an Indian parent the way that you were like, and I'm not a doctor yet. <laughs> I'm not a doctor yet. And I just thought of like <laughs> when I was pre-med and my parents like, uh, I'm not a doctor yet. And still, I am not a doctor. And I don't think I ever will be a doctor. And I'm okay with that. Yep. Yep. I'm going to be a doctor of philosophy. So I can't exactly save anybody's life on a plane. But they're like... But if anybody wants to hear about Foucault, <laughs> I got you. You're like, I will fight him in a Wendy's parking lot. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. He's going down. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So I was going to say, they're like the OG doctors, though. Like doctors of philosophy. Yeah. 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 I've heard it's the, it's the only doctorate where the Dean flips your tassel instead of making you do it yourself. Yeah, I think so. Or, or not that the Dean flips your tassel, but the Dean comes to you to flip your tassel something like that. Yeah. There's some cool ceremonial honor about it, which is kind of neat. Yeah, it's neat. I was, I was reading about the ceremony itself and it, I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> You're like, really? I'm just in this degree for the regalia. Yeah, I just want that sash, man. <laughs> I don't need the publications or the accolades. I just want that ribbon. It's a good ribbon. Yeah. So I can hang it on my wall and not look at it for six months. <laughs> and be like, the horror, the horror. Like, are you a doctor? Yes. Yeah, see my ribbon? Yeah, just, just at a certain point, you'll just point to the ribbon. Whenever someone makes and fun piece of you. Of paper I paid like $48,000 for. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like that <laughs> ribbon's good for one thing, which is wiping the tears away after some troll makes you look silly online. <laughs> yeah. You're like, great. I did this, but apparently some 16 year old in South Dakota just made me feel like trash. Oh uh, yeah. That's me on Twitter all the time. <laughs> um, so speaking of a doctorate in, it's going to be in criminology, right? 
uh, criminology or um, theater, actually. Amazing. Your doctorate's possibly going to be in theater. Is that because you're doing um, theater as a program in the criminal system for rehabilitation? Yep. Sweet. So your doctorate might actually be in theater instead of that is so interesting. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's practice based research. So it's not like, I don't have to act at all in this school. Um, which is great. Cause I'm so tired. I'm just tired of doing that anyway. Of, um, of acting. Do you mean like when people tell you to smile or do you mean in general? No, I mean like actually acting. Like I was an actor for almost seven years. I, I know you um, were. I just thought that was hilarious. Yeah. I'm sorry. I find my own jokes funny. <laughs> uh, but you're right. The audience had no idea. So yeah. So Yana has been an actor. Yes, I was in the background of an episode of Arrow. If you want to try and find me, amazing. I look lost. I'm the only person who looks like they don't know what they're doing there. <laughs> So what I'm hearing is you weren't necessarily a great actor because that's probably how you feel most of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was not great on film. Um, and I think it's my ADHD. I just, I would look all different places and they'd be like, no, Yana, you have an eyeline. And I'm like, what, where, huh? What? Yeah. Um, I can see you being good as a theater actor. I was very actor. good on stage. I can see that. That was, that was where I really, I had the most fun on stage, I would say. Yeah, I can totally, I would totally see that because I can see you being like really engaged with all the people. Yeah. Yeah. Having an audience is a, is a wonderful experience or a terrible it's, one. It's amazing. And it's like, and like nobody wants you to screw up, which is the best part of it. Yeah. I mean, they all paid tickets to see you. They don't want to see you bomb and you don't want to bomb. So it's this great relationship where nobody <laughs> wants you to fuck up except your own brain. It's like, Hey, this thing we spent eight like fucking eight weeks memorizing this giant monologue yes well guess what i forgot <laughs> and you're like cool thank you so much this has been really fun thanks for having me today yep that is um <laughs> <laughs> do we sell french fries <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i i apologize to any anyone younger than me in the audience who has no idea what the simpsons is it just reminded me of that. Hello, I'm Mr. Burns. Okay, Mr. Burns, what's your first name? I don't know. The only the only Burns quote better than that, because that's obviously Homer impersonating Mr. Burns at the post office, oh. but the only better one is when um they have they have taxed millions of dollars away from the nuclear plant and Mr. Burns shows up with with Smithers planted in the audience at the town hall meeting and is like, Hello, I'm Mr. Snrub. Yes, that'll do. <laughs> I propose we reinvest all that money in the nuclear plant. And then Smithers is like, I like the way Mr. Snrub thinks. It's just the way <laughs> it's the way he says his name. Anyways. Oh, so good. Oh, those those years. I have so many good memories of that. I feel like that show, the first ten years, was like my childhood. Oh yeah, same. So we still haven't gotten into true crime. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. We will. We will. Um, right. So you're doing this. That's, that's so, so what I find so interesting about all these ideas coming together is this idea of comedy, this idea of true crime, which in, in a sense is like anti-comedy, but not yeah. necessarily like it's, there's something I'm currently watching and this is my ADHD. I'm currently watching Kieslowski's, um, three colors, the trilogy, mm -hmm. and they're described as anti-tragedy, anti-comedy and anti-romance respectively, blue, white, and red. Mm -hmm. yep. And I finished the first one and I'm like, okay, I can see where the anti-comedy is. And I haven't watched the other two, but it's, it's sort of clicking for me that this idea, and this is something people with ADHD, ADHD do well, is they grab a lot of disparate ideas and pull them all together. And other people are like, what? That has no relationship. What are you talking about? Um, but, yeah. but this notion that true crime is in a sense, <clears throat> anti-comedy, um, mm -hmm. but that you're an inherently really funny person. Like you you have great memes. You're really enjoyable to talk to. Like you tend to be like a funny and personable person. So it's, thank you. You're welcome. Um, so I find it so interesting that what, what fascinates you seemingly is, is this mm -hmm. idea of not just criminology and like treating people after they've, you know, offended, but this, this, uh, this idea of, okay, but how did they do it? Like, why did they do it? Tell me more about what yeah. they did. That's so fucked up. Yeah. And how did they do it again? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's um, so say so say more about what inspires you or what you find interesting about true crime. Um, I think uh, I think the thing that I find the most fascinating about it is um, looking at it through. Uh, I don't remember, I don't know the word I'm looking for, um, which is so classic me. Um, but it's it's this sense of your. Uh, consuming somebody else's pain. Is it not um, Schadenfreude? No, no, no. It's um, it's your you're fascinated by something horrible that happened to somebody, mm. um, and it's 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 strange because you can I, the, the the main thing that I find so interesting about true crime is that it can be done in a way that is very delicate. Um, it can really. Uh, discuss the victims, it can put them front and center, mm-hmm. or it can completely exploit them and forget about them. And you're just watching Horror. a serial killer talk about the stuff that they've done. Right. It's... <clears throat> Which I find to be exploitative. Um, and it's like, they, they do that a lot with some of the Ted Bundy documentaries. Yeah. Um, the, the one that came out on Netflix a while ago, where they basically make him the narrator through his tapes. Right. Um, he is an unreliable narrator right. because he's a liar. Uh, he's a sociopath. You're not going to find any truth in a, a single word he says because he wants to make himself look incredible. He was his own lawyer for fuck's sakes. Like, you can't trust this guy. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's another one that came out on Prime, um, and it is told through the lens of his ex-girlfriend. Okay. That one is much more truthful. Um, it is much more, it honors the victims. It actually, you know, they actually say their names. They show them, they show their pictures. Um, I found it just to be better because it wasn't told with his voice and through his perspective. Right. Right. So, yeah, I think it's, it's a fine line to walk because you are consuming a tragedy. Right. Um, but there's also this, like you said, it's this notion of like, how does somebody get to this point? Mm Hmm. Um, what are the factors that went into it and not just, you know, not just childhood abuse and childhood trauma, sure. but like socioeconomically, mm-hmm. um, systemically you look at, yeah. And, um, you know, schooling and teachers and, um, God, what else? Mental health, like lack of access to mental health care. Um, sure. I think, that's a, I think that's a big thing. And you, and you're like, they say, Oh, how could we have stopped somebody like this? How could we have stopped a Ted Bundy? Well, you could have intervened years and years and years and years and years ago. Right. Um, and given him therapy mm-hmm. and counseling and somebody to talk to. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you would have prevented it. Maybe not. I think that's a risk that we have to take. Sure. <clears throat> So yeah, that's um, my primary fascination with it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it, I just it, you know it's. I think everybody is interested in things that are macabre, mm-hmm. and because it's so much, it's it's and it so much has to do with our fear of of death. Um, because often the documentaries that you watch, somebody has died, and mm-hmm. you, if, for me anyway, I sit there and I think, God, like. I, I do actually really think about my own mortality when I watch it. And um, I haven't really come to any sort of grand realization about that. It's just something that, you know, rings through my mind. And I, um, yeah, I don't remember where I was going with that sentence. That's okay. It was going to be good. I promise. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, whether it's, um, you know, fascination with our own mortality or our own vulnerability in, in some ways, like our, our physical insecurity that we could be assaulted or worse. Yeah. Or that we could do something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, the, there's one thing that I've learned in criminology is that everybody is capable of anything. Yeah. Under the right, right, right circumstances with the right pressure. Right. Um, anybody like any of us could have turned out like these people. Yeah. I think that's what draws me to it is this idea of like, is it, is it possible for me to have actually killed someone if things had been really different? And the answer disturbingly is yes. Yeah. Like it's totally possible. I would needed, I would have needed to have been, you know, at least 
I, I can't even put together all the factors, but like super poor, super hard done by like you start adding on trauma to poverty and disempowerment and then, you know, throw in an entitlement narrative of, you know, you were yep. born with a penis. Therefore, you know, you start getting some of the ingredients together. Of course, I must sound like a very lay person by comparison to the stuff you're reading, Yana. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's true. It's like, I like, I think of it as like a serial, like I call it like a serial killer sandwich. Love it. You know, you get all the right shit in there and that's, sometimes that's what you end up making. Like, and, and it's not to say that everybody who is sociopathic is violent. That's absolutely not true. Sure. Um, I think it's, it's probably less than 1%. Look at the CEOs. Um, yeah, exactly. A lot of them end up joining the army. They sure. become police officers. <laughs> they become your boss at a restaurant that I may have worked at, <laughs> who I'm pretty sure was definitely a sociopath. Um, yeah, they, uh, you know, they, they're your, they're your friends and neighbors. Um, and it's just, their brains are just, they're just different. Um, but yeah, not every single sociopath turns into a serial killer. It's just, it's just not something that ha- if, if it did, we would be in a lot more trouble. Right. Yeah. So those are all the reasons why true crime is fascinating. And I'm sure there are many more. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious how much true crime you personally consume. <laughs> oh, uh, let's see. Um, probably about three shelves of my bookshelf are, um, true crime books. Uh, the rest is academia. And then there's some Lord of the Rings and poetry. Um, so does that, is that like not true crime and then not academia? Yeah. Yeah. It's like regular crime and then like musings yeah, regular crime <laughs> true crime and then lord of the rings love it and some star wars books. um and then in terms of what i watch uh oof, jesus pretty much definitely a lot of it mm-hmm. um i mean if you name a, do- a true crime documentary i've probably seen it once twice maybe three times um and my mom is the same way I think that's who I got the interest from mm-hmm. because I remember being a kid and her entire one shelf of her bookshelf was, um, the stranger beside me by Anne rule helter skelter was the book about Charlie Charles Manson. Right. Um, the Philip Carlo book about the night stalker and then, uh, a bunch more stuff. And so I read all of that stuff super early um, probably like 11 or 12, I think. And it just sort of, maybe it just kind of wired my brain to be like, how do I figure these people out? Um, because they're scary. You know, yeah. it's, it's scary to read that stuff, especially as a kid where you're like, you don't, I don't, you know, I didn't have the sort of cognitive ability to think about, you know, um, you know, not everybody's like this and this doesn't, you know, right. this is a super, rare crime these are you know super rare type of offender all i knew was just that this shit scared the crap out of me right uh, and i sort of did uh like i said in my facebook post i sort of did what any kid with adhd would do was that i just read it. i started reading it obsessively so that it didn't scare me anymore mm-hmm. um, yeah but i think definitely my massive consumption of true crime can definitely be uh traced back to my mom <laughs> <laughs> Um, cause we used to watch law and order and like Perry Mason and American justice and America's most wanted and shit. Oh my God. Perry um, Mason. My mom used to watch that. Yeah. That, that was my shit. <laughs> I love that show. Um, but yeah, I would like, we watched it like pretty much all the time and it sort of just became something that I would put on in the background and like do something else. Do, 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 uh, do, do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I watch a lot of it. I couldn't tell you exactly how much I consume. And then there's the podcast, which I won't even like. Jesus, <clears throat> I must be subscribed to like twenty or thirty true crime podcasts. So you're an avid consumer of true crime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I try to avoid the really schlocky, um, disrespectful sure. stuff because there's a ton of it. Um, especially with podcasts, like there, it's just sometimes it's two white guys in a garage and they're like, I have an opinion about this. And you're like, Jesus, nobody cares. <laughs> um, like, fuck. Go back to your room, we've Jordan. Of, we've had enough of your opinions. Um, so yeah, I try to do the stuff that's, I try to listen to the stuff and watch the stuff that's, I can see it's well-researched. I can hear that it's well-researched. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not disrespectful and it takes into consideration the voices of the people who have, uh, been victims of this person. Right. Yeah. So that's the theme that's come up twice now is this idea that it's incredibly <laughs> important to humanize the victims and talk mm-hmm. about them as people, not as um, events in a macabre story where we're just consuming the horror of it rather than the tragedy of it. Yeah. So say a little more about humanizing the victims, if you, if you will. Um, I think the way that you, the way that I've seen it really well done mm-hmm. is interviewing surviving family members. Um, because oftentimes you know, that trauma, it ripples through generations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, you see it, you see it a lot in like, uh, literature on victimology. Um, and you see it really in true crime media. People are really deeply affected by murder. Like even, you know, the, the women that Ted Bundy killed, some of their relatives and stuff, um, are younger. Like right. they, they have nieces, nephews or whatever. And you can see that this, this person has completely altered the course of their whole life right. because they are by association also a victim mm-hmm. of this murder. Um, so the way I think the way that you can do it is you, you really talk about how the person grew up, um, where they grew up, what they what their dreams were, their aspirations. Like I'm more, way more interested in getting to know the victim of a crime than I am getting to know Ted Bundy for the 10,000th time. Right. Um, I already know him. <laughs> like there's, you can't tell me anything new. Um, right. but if you, if you introduce, uh, one of the women that he killed, um, you know, I find that much more compelling mm-hmm. and it's much more, um, respectful, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Um, because so often like you just see, he killed this person. You see a name and a picture up for like three seconds. Right. And it's like, this was a whole human being that he took away. Mm-hmm. Um, where's all the information about her? Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes they don't know the information or they haven't bothered to look, but like if you interview family, like God, they'll tell you. Yeah. Because they have all the, they have all those memories and all those stories. Right. So. Yeah. I wonder what the therapeutic value is to feeling seen and heard for individuals that have vicariously been traumatized or directly perhaps. Yeah. I, uh, I think it's, they, you know, people who've been victims of crime and like, I know I, like I've been the victim of crime. I think one of the most important things is that, uh, they just want to be heard. Mm -hmm. They just want, they just want that pain. Like, maybe not fixed because I don't, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how much money or, you know, how much jail time that what happened is always going to be there. And I'm, I'm just speaking for myself, um, as someone who has survived a, a a crime. Um, Mm -hmm. but like, uh, the only thing that for me I wanted to do was just tell people what I went through and not have people go, Oh, that's so terrible. But just have someone go, okay, um, I'm listening, I'm here for you, and I'm holding space, and if you need anything, just let me know. Um, because, yeah, victims often do feel like they're super forgotten by the justice system. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the justice system just does a, a horrible job of treating victims, <clears throat> and, and you see it in sexual assault cases, they literally... Yeah turn the victim into the offender sometimes with the way that they question them and grill them on the stand. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, yeah, I think, I think just, you know, being heard, being acknowledged and being able to talk about that person without having to bring up what happened. Mm-hmm. 
you know, talk about how funny they were, how kind they were. Um, like I said, their dreams, aspirations and goals. Um, I think that's also part of being heard as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Like not just having, yeah, in a sense, it's almost like not just having the words you're saying be heard, but having yourself as a real human being be seen. Yeah. Yeah. Great. That That is a really important piece that I don't think I had fully um, coalesced for me. So I really appreciate that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's something I, I've <clears throat> been thinking of, not recently, but like <clears throat> as I sort of go further along in my education and watch this stuff with a much more critical eye. So when I don't see that mm-hmm. um, in, a, in a true crime documentary, I'm just like, I don't know don't really know if I want to keep watching this because you know, if you, if you don't include the victims, you're not telling the whole story. Mm-hmm. You know, you, it's, it's something the old, the, like old documentaries used to do this a lot where they would just focus on the, the serial killer. Right. Um, and it's something that they almost, and it's not that this person, this person shouldn't be treated with sympathy, but it's almost like, far too sympathetic mm-hmm. in my opinion like you're you're supposed to be something... empathizing with the criminal instead of the victims for some reason yeah yeah and it's it's something that's called romancing the offender mm. um and it can lead to some kind of scary stuff especially for people who um worship serial killers which is a real thing wow um hybrid hybristophilia i think it's hybristophilia um it's on you see if you type in a serial killer into tumblr fuck you'll see a bunch of it wow um it literally is worship like look at how amazing this person is he's so hot it's like dude he killed 50 people what are you doing yeah like this is it's just it's really it's really toxic and i think a lot of the or some of the the issues with that stem from the far too sympathetic views mm-hmm. in some of these documentaries where it's like, Oh, look at, you know, poor Ted Bundy. And it's like, we're not doing that today. <laughs> like, <laughs> can we please not do this? You know? And I'm, <clears throat> I'm somebody who I work with offenders and things like that. And, you know, they definitely deserve to be treated with kindness, respect, and be treated as human beings mm-hmm. regardless mm-hmm. because they are human beings at the end of the mm-hmm. day. And that's, you know, that's how we should treat each other. But to go too far is, you know, in that direction is, I think it's dangerous. Yeah. It's like, it's one thing to empathize with like, here are all the ways in which, you know, these really damaged people got damaged. And it's another thing to say, look at how genius this person was for outwitting all of the systems we had in place because we didn't want to spend more on systems and we didn't want more systems in place because we didn't think we needed them. But in this one exceptional case, this person was able to get past all these things. Aren't they such a genius? I hate that. That's a narrative with Ted Bundy that comes up a lot. Like he was this criminal mastermind and I'm like, no, he wasn't. He flunked out of law school. And the only reason that he escaped jail was like, he pulled some escape from LA bullshit, didn't eat for six months and then just jumped out of a window and broke his leg. That's not, that's not criminal genius. That's not super villain. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the guy who jumped out of a goddamn window. <laughs> like, <laughs> What do you do? This guy's a clown. <laughs> yeah. And when you frame it like that, he really sounds like a clown. He does. He defended himself in court and there was like bite mark evidence or something. And he's like, now how do you know that these are my teeth? And it's like, uh, cause they came from the impression came from your mouth, Ted. <laughs> it came from your mouth, sir. <laughs> and he's like, well, I don't think that's true. And it's like, <laughs> we really, we're gaslighting a whole courtroom right now. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I just I have I have a problem with it's it's hero worship that I have an issue. Right. Um, And it's it's really dangerous hero worship, because especially with teenagers. um, Yeah, I remember I remember seeing a lot of it after Columbine. Right. Um, If you look into a lot of that literature, like teenagers who were like, oh, they were bullied. They were all black. This is the music they listen to. I play those video games, too. 
I'm going to be just like Dylan and Eric. And it's like, Jesus Christ, can we please get you a counselor so you can talk about these issues? Because you should not be worshiping these people. Um, they weren't bullied. They were bullies. Um, one of them was a Nazi. Like he not surprising. Hitler. Not surprising. Yeah, not surprising. Um, the, some of the stuff that came out, out about Eric Harris later was that um, like a psychologist, I think it analyzed some of his writings or um, spoken to him and basically said like, if he didn't do this, um, he was probably going to end up a serial offender wow. doing something else. Yeah. And like, that's scary to me. I think that's, that's really terrifying because he had good, like he came from a good family. Um, his, his, his mom does speeches now and she talks about, the impact that Columbine had and how responsible she feels um, just as a mother. Mm, and, mm -hmm. you know, you, <laughs> these people can come from any family. Right. Um, you know, it just has to be, a, I think it just has to be a few ingredients. Are you, are you sure uh, they were black? <clears throat> who? Um, well, didn't you say something about them being black? Oh no, they wore black. Oh, they, they wore black. <laughs> Cause I was like, I thought they were entitled <laughs> white boys. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> no, no. They were very much entitled white people. Well, Eric was. I think Dylan was just a lackey who just kind of glommed onto him. Sure. Um, but, like, I, Dylan had depression. Eric was probably a sociopath in the making. It's hard to diagnose letters and videos. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there are psychologists who have done it, but I think it's difficult if you don't have the person sitting right in front of you. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, there's so many subtle cues that, you know, the way we co-regulate to each other, the body language, the gestures, just there's so many cues that, I mean, I'm not trained, but I imagine someone trained would almost immediately know if it was severe enough. Yeah. And like, it, there's, you know, they recorded themselves, um, they're called the basement tapes. They haven't released all of them yet. Mm -hmm. um, if you go to, I think you can request to watch them. Um, but you have to be in law enforcement or some kind of legal sure. thing. Um, but if you, some of the stuff that has been released, diagnosing, I think even from those is difficult because he's performing. Right. There's a camera in front of yeah. him. He's trying to make himself look as like badass and as unstable as possible. Right. Um, you know, like it's an act and who knows if he actually felt this way. He probably thought that they were going to find his diaries you know, maybe he slid some bullshit in there. Like, right. it's it's hard to tell, mm -hmm. especially with people like that who kind of want to go out in a blaze of glory. Yeah. Like they want to leave a legacy as sad and small as that legacy is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were planning on they were going to blow up the school. Um, They had like pipe bombs underneath cars and all of that was going to go off and then the cops were going to come in and they were going to shoot them. Wow. And they were going to go down. Uh, it's called suicide by cop. Right. They were going to go down that way. And it just, it didn't happen. Right. <laughs> they ended up in the library and who knows what the conversation was between them and how that ended. Mm -hmm. You can only really speculate, but, um, yeah, I just, you know, I think the writings and the videos are just, <laughs> and also just an indication of, like you said, two entitled white kids, sure. um, who really disregarded everything else and everybody else around them. Mm -hmm. It's weird. I don't actually know that much about Columbine, even though I watched it on TV. Um, yeah, I think when I was when I was in school, I I was just really shocked. I just remember being really like I I couldn't understand how that happened. It didn't make sense yeah. to me. Like I I got that if people were bullied bad enough, they would like snap, but I guess I just don't come from a gun culture. Mm -hmm. So the notion that like kids my age then, because I was probably, I mean, we were probably about the same age ish as them. I don't know. I think I was, I think I was 13. They would have been a little older. Yeah. They would have, I think they were 16, maybe 15. Yeah. Cause I was 86. Yeah. And I'm 85. Right. So they would have been older uh, than both of us. Yeah. But not by much. Right. But yeah, I remember watching that like it was I was homesick and I was watching something and all of a sudden it cut to this school and these kids were just running out of it. And I was like, what the fuck is this? 
And I remember that being one of the first, like, we talk about, like, I'm so tired of living through historical events. That was one of the first big historical events that I remember. Yeah. Uh, as, a, as a teenager, at least. I remember Columbine, and then I remember um, September the 11th when I was going to school. Yeah. I, I remember, like, being ready for school, but before I could walk out, like, the, the TV was on, my parents were watching the news, and it was just like they were just showing it on repeat, the planes going into the buildings. Yeah. And, uh, like... What a, what a horrible idea in retrospect to do that. I get that this is happening and nobody knows what's going on, but like, I, I don't even need to see that footage and I can just replay it shot for shot in my brain. Oh yeah. It's burned into my brain too. You know, 21 years later. Yeah. And like, I can hear, I can hear the fire trucks. I can hear the police. I can hear the yelling and the screaming. Like it, yeah. I don't even need to watch it. I can hear that far too polite American woman being like, Oh my word. Yeah, it's yep. like I you, you know the video because we all saw all the videos and I remember every one of them. Yeah, same. I remember being like, "Wow, she's being incredibly calm and polite, considering that her world, in a sense, just about ended slash did end." Yeah, she. Uh, yeah, I remember that too. That was oh god. Sorry. <laughs> I just can't believe. I just can't believe they. I, it's it's so irresponsible when you think about it. Yeah, there's to show that over and over and over again. It's it's such a weird thing the commercialization of media in the U.S. and like the way that freedom of the press to publish anything is important, and so too is their responsibility to use that necessary right responsibly. Yeah, I blame CNN for like that particular trauma because I remember that becoming. That's when they sort of became this 24-hour news network. Right. Showing you repeats of and, the news for all 24 hours in case you are not thoroughly traumatized by the first 20 minutes, which is what we repeat three times an hour all day. Yeah. It's just like, oh, it's just, and then they did it all over again with Virginia Tech and uh, right. CBC did it with Dawson College when the Dawson College shooting happened. Um, God, what the fuck else have we lived through? Everything? Yeah, other than the pandemic and the insurrection happening this year, because, you know, 2020 had World War Three trending on Twitter and then the pandemic. That was in January. I forgot about that shit. And then the insurrection and potential like could have. I mean, I don't think it ever was going to turn into a civil war because fortunately the no. U.S. Army was like, we swore to defend the Constitution and that's what we're going to do. And the Constitution says Biden's president. Um, so because the military was like, nope, we're standing by democracy. What did you think we were going to do? Um, you know, we didn't end up with anything too super crazy happening, but, uh, other than the actual insurrection itself and police literally removing barricades to let the angry mob into the Capitol, which was like, wow, police, you just threw those, the Capitol Hill police under the bus. There's like six of them. (laughs) Congratulations. Incredible. I've never seen law enforcement so thoroughly fuck over other law enforcement in my life. Yeah, as I remember, like I was watching it that day, and I just remember thinking, I had this thought. I was like, "Man, I miss when we were all joking about like invading Area Fifty One, <laughs> like as a joke, just showing up and be like, they can't fucking stop all of us. I think they probably could. <laughs> um, Not if we were all white." <laughs> they probably got some spaceships where they just shoot at us with like weird space lasers. Oh my goodness. Um, I was like, man, I missed the area 51 times. <laughs> I don't, I don't want this. Yeah. Nobody wanted this. I, I remember, Ugh. I remember seeing, seeing it and just before it got really bad being like, well, that's okay. Cause the U S is ruthless <laughs> and they will just gun all of them down from afar. Like they'll, sh- they'll shoot too. a few of them. And then the other ones, because humans are inherently cowards, <laughs> it, seriously, crowds of humans. If there's one thing that first person shooter video games have taught me, it's that when there is one sniper and there are five people on your team and all you need to do is all expose yourselves and run up to the sniper. The sniper will shoot one of you and the sniper is dead. And then you've taken yeah. that position. Inherently, you'll be like, okay, everyone ready? Everyone's like, yeah, we're totally doing it. And then it's like, okay, go. You're the only person who runs out. Sniper picks you off. The other four people, once you're dead, run out and then turn around realizing that they've royally screwed up and run back to their hiding positions. And now there are four of them. 
And it's like, it's, so true. it's just like human beings are cowards. Maybe this is yeah, just like no. 15 year old boys who are cowards. I don't know. But I no, it's me too. It's, it's everyone. Like I'd... you hear a sniper. If, if like, if a trained U S military sniper just murders someone out of the blues inciting riot, the rest of the riders are going to be like, holy shit. I'm, we're going home. Yeah, there used to be a human being here, and now there's not. I think we should leave very quickly. Yeah. Probably a good idea. Seriously, just, like, one shot to show they were serious from a long distance. And, like, the crazy thing is, it wasn't until the Capitol Hill police were in close quarters that that actually happened, where one officer discharged one gun, one bullet, chest shot, and it happened to be a fatality. Yeah. And, of course... Officers disciplined the same day, you know, like they, out of respect, refused to show the video of the woman being shot. She was white. And yeah. immediately there's... It was on Twitter. Right. There's like immediate... Oh, that's right. I heard people say that it was actually pretty... It was fairly gruesome just because there's a lot of blood. I saw it. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, so it was pretty bad then. <clears throat> yeah. It was... Uh, it's one of those things, My the videos on my Twitter are on autoplay, and I was like, what the fuck is this? And then I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I just... I turned it off. Right. Um, because I'm not watching the rest of that. Uh, yeah. I've, I've seen a couple of things like that accidentally. I saw, um, somebody sent me, uh, one of the Luca Magnata videos. I don't know who that is. It was like this. He, uh, he murdered a guy on video. Oh Jesus. And uploaded it to bestgore.com. Oh my God. Uh, and then it just fuck it went viral. Like it, it like through email, Facebook, whatever. Um, somebody sent it to me and was like, this is fucked up. And at first I was like, what am I watching? And then it, it started to click that this is what I was seeing. And I was like, gee, what the, f- why would you send me this? Right. And they're like, well, it's just really messed up. I'm like, we're not friends anymore. I don't want to watch this. <laughs> yeah. Why would you ever send a traumatizing video to someone? So messed up. And that's it. Added to the other list of videos I can't fucking Unsee. get out of my head now. Yeah that play on a loop at three o'clock in the morning um, yep. and just traumatize me. Um, but yeah, I've seen it, it, the internet sucks for that. Yeah, it does. Um, and it, it, like we saw it with, you know, um, the, like George Floyd's murder. Um, people yeah. were just putting that video up willy nilly. Well, so not thinking about other, like the, the, maybe like the black people on their Twitter or Facebook or whatever, who probably don't want to fucking see well, that. Hopefully. So this is the thing that's so interesting is it's like assumed with George Floyd that it's black folks that don't want to see it. But truthfully, like I don't, I, there's such a disconnect between how black and brown bodies get used in the media for shock mm-hmm. value, um, how black yeah. and brown neighbors get used as comedic relief on the news because everyone's like, ha, yeah. listen to how they speak. It's different from how I speak. And you're yeah, just like, uh... grow the fuck up. Like, stop yeah. using black and brown bodies and people like they're human beings it comes back to that humanizing element so like george floyd's the perfect example i'm so glad you brought it up it's like that video was fucking everywhere it was on every social media network it was on twitter it was on facebook like it was everywhere i must have seen that video five or six times fragments of it anyways i obviously didn't watch the whole thing um i watched it once because i felt like i needed to see it And maybe that I hope that's why people shared it so much. But ultimately, it comes back to this place of like when this woman is shot once and they do everything they can to help her and save her. She has, you know, emergency medical assistance sooner than George Floyd did. Um, You know, like she they at least got to her when she was alive and they did everything they could to try and save her life. Unfortunately, she didn't survive, which sucks. Um, but like, you're talking about someone who was shot while committing a federal felony who is in the process of, I mean, like there is nothing more (laughs) threatening than a lynch mob of people. Like I can completely understand why when there are like four officers and like 400 people, why they feel the need to discharge their guns. I'm not saying they should. Um, but it's far more threatening than when there are four officers and one helpless black person who's in no way threatening. Yeah, and the 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 magnitude of the offense. Yeah, <clears throat> like you said, committing insurrection versus accused of writing a bad check. It was it was a it's a supposedly a fake twenty dollar bill that fake twenty dollar bill. That's what it was. Which he was um, obviously never convicted of, and to my knowledge, there's no evidence of none that I've known. No, 
No, I, I haven't. I haven't read anything about that either. Right, and it would have been all over the news if there were evidence of it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. and the the magnitude of difference is like. But like that's I... that's the comparison that that gets made by dumb people. <laughs> like these yeah. are like not not the same. Like they're they're yeah. different in the magnitude of the offense. They're different in the treatment of of the person. Right. Um, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Not to mention. Um, if you don't feel comfortable with the comparison because George Floyd was murdered through supposedly negligence rather than a discharge of a firearm, you can compare her to Breonna Taylor, who was murdered in her sleep. Yeah. You know, who was an EMT in her own place. She's murdered in her sleep by police. Anyways, the, and we could just go on with like lists of people. Um, but, uh, what, what bothered me was the fact that. And this is going to sound so callous, but the fact that people were so humane about dealing with her, with her death, like they were like, we're not going to show the video. We want to be really respectful. I'm like, where was all this fucking respect when we were talking about, you know, all these other black and brown people that have been murdered? Like, where was the respect? Like, it's one thing to say, um, you know, here's a bit of the video leading up, but we're not actually going to show it because, you know, they were murdered, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's so frustrating to me. Yeah, I I mean, I know some of those videos are shared under the the message of like we're raising awareness. And it's like when does it become awareness, and then where does it where does it become like like you said, seeing the way that black and brown bodies are treated. Well, and like think about it this way by by, like by the news and by social media and things like that. Like so, I give social media more of a pass because people are going to be people and be incredibly biased and or racist or whatever you know. They're, yeah. they're going to do that. Uh, yeah. But news agencies have a responsibility. And I saw news coverage, like professional news showing coverage. Showing the whole video. Well, showing the whole video of um, of George Floyd. But then in the case of this woman who was shot, they were like, you know, we've we've made like a, an editorial choice not to show it. I'm like, oh, it's, yes. it's so nice that your conscience has kicked in. And you've thought, what about the yeah. families? And what about traumatizing people? But I'm like, yeah. where's where's raising awareness for how dangerous insurrection is? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's not the same thing, but I'm still pissed about it. No. <laughs> TLDR. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, that, that was something that I saw too. And I just, I remember thinking, huh, isn't that interesting? It's very convenient and interesting. Yeah. And then I just did like a fuck you and I just closed the browser window. Yeah. Um, Cause uh, you know, and they're going to keep like, it's, they're going to keep doing it when it's a, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yep. I just, the whole thing just ticks not takes me off it pisses me off yeah um yeah it's just irresponsibility of media yeah i agree that's that's exactly how i feel about it but we have ranted about how lame 2020 has been oh yeah wasn't george floyd in 2020 yes uh 2019 june 2020 no it was this year i remember it was this year well last year (laughs) it's 2021 it it does feel like 20 what are you talking about it's march 45th (laughs) 2020 <laughs> it's um have you seen um the netflix special death of 2020 no not yet it's literally just a parody of like here are all of the things that went wrong in 2020 oh i gotta i gotta watch it so many people were like yo you have to watch it and i'm like yeah i will i will but now i'm yeah i have it's, to watch it's it. pretty good because um because I for, I had forgotten that World War Three trending on Twitter after the U.S. assassinated Iranian uh, General Soleimani. Yes. I'd forgotten that was in the beginning of 2020, and to hear Sam, <laughs> to hear Samuel Jackson be like, <laughs> just straight up be like, and it's only fucking January. <laughs> the year only started. I'm like, yeah. Uh, oh. And here we are. Yeah. We were- my friend said, like, remember, like, World War Three in January? And I was like, I thought that was, like, 2018. And she was like, no, Yana, it was, it was 2020. And I was like, that can't be right. Yeah, it's... <laughs> it can't be right at all. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, like, living through a major world event like this. It really does skew your perception of of time and and the world. Like, I was hopefully going to be planning a small inexpensive vacation and then it was like oh you can't travel anywhere and i was like okay two to two years i'll be fine and like the two years aren't up yet but like i don't know yeah amazon just bought well now there's 
there's a delay in like the Pfizer vaccine. Right. Coming to Canada, so that's that's fun. Yeah. And they were they were saying like, oh, you know, the general public will be mass vaccinated in April, and I'm like, I don't think so. Yeah. Well, when they said that yeah, when... they were hoping everyone would be vaccinated by September, I was like, great, Canada's getting me a vaccine for my birthday because it's not going to be before September. Yeah. Yeah. When like my my university keeps saying like, you know, when things get back to normal, and I'm like, you have to stop sending these emails. <laughs> <laughs> it's just dangling a carrot in front of me that I'm never going to be able to get. <laughs> yeah. You're like, like, I will be, I will have my doctorate before things are back to normal. <laughs> I probably will. Fuck. That's a lot of years. That's time. I mean, with the way that people seem to be um, not following public health regulations right. and not believing in masks and with the amount of people who think that vaccines cause insert thing here right um i i just really don't have any faith in us <laughs> species we've just we've done a really bad so this the funny thing about the internet is these are the normal growing pains of a society that is still reeling from a technology that was introduced three decades ago yes. we thought it was a panacea when anyone such as <clears throat> yours truly could produce whatever crappy content they want, wrap it in duct tape, and huck it into the tax bin. Hail Mary Sal like Homer does. <laughs> we thought that was a panacea. Okay, great. We're going to have all this content. The good content will float to the top. The bad content will sink. What we didn't figure on was that the really bad content would be so bad that it would float to the top. <laughs> I, I just want Angel Fire websites back. And that like spinning text. I don't want QAnon memes. Bring back Angel Fire and ICQ. Right, like you just because this is terrible. You just want some like shitty indie band on MySpace and like GeoCities with like their terrible ads. I want live journal drama back. That's what I want. Back when Deviant Art was popular. Yeah, fuck Twitter drama. Give me a whole live journal thread of people yelling at each other. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's Facebook now. But I thought that was the news now. <laughs> yeah, news comments. I saw a pretty good fight <sighs> in the CBC comment. Uh, I read the whole thing. Deeply invested, <laughs> like I was watching TV. You read like... the whole comment thread? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it was like... 500 comments it was four in the morning and i was eating flaming hot cheetos <laughs> and reading this comment thread. and at the end i was like carol's right <laughs> that is the most satisfying end to that story so at four in the morning <laughs> after losing all of my sleep i was like fuck it yeah. carol's right <laughs> you know what carol you can have this one. Oh my goodness Carol from Minnesota. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Just Get give it. Carol a shout out. Thanks, Carol from Minnesota. <laughs> we really needed you to stand up to that troll. Yeah. Like, I, oh, I can't remember her name. Damn it. It was probably Barbara. <laughs> it is now. It, it wasn't before. It is now. Althea. Damn it, Barbara. Agnes. Yeah. It was some, like... Yeah. They sounded 112 years old. They they were. <laughs> I went through their profiles meticulously. Because <laughs> everything was public because they didn't know how to use Facebook. Of course. Yeah. It was a gold mine oh, that day. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I have um Yeah, so yeah, you, that's you one go. that's one of my other coping mechanisms is I <laughs> scroll through Facebook comments and then I passively aggressively like the ones that I agree with <laughs> and then I angry react with the ones that I don't agree with. <laughs> the angry react is the best because it really is passive aggressive. It's so funny. I use it all of the time. So I use it almost never. Like I only have ever used an angry react when I've posted a comment afterwards and the comment that I've angry reacted has been explicitly racist or transphobic. Those are the only yeah. two cases and I can I've used it twice and only in those cases. <laughs> I think I overuse it. I mean, I think I should start doing the shocked reaction. <laughs> yeah, the, like, I, especially I do that on CBC comments. That's my favorite place. To drop an angry um, react? 
it's it's my favorite place to get free serotonin <laughs> um and get super mad at racist old white people oh, yeah. and then pick fights with them just because i can and i'm right that's amazing i appreciate that i i like it when i see white people picking fights with other white people who are racist yeah i'm like fuck you brendan <laughs> of course say that to my face <clears throat> yeah no that's that's perfect and it's always it's always some white dude with sunglasses and a fucking trucker hat. <sighs> anyway, there was definitely a dude being super transphobic in this um, polyamory group, and I was like already iffy about it because they don't call it polyamory; they call it poly. And I'm like, eh, mm. you're kind of treading on the Polynesian namespace. Just it's kind of just like I don't I don't want to be like super bougie by being like that is so gauche of you but like it it's just like not it's not quite kosher like it's just it's more it's more courteous to just call it either polyam poly a polyamory like literally non-monogamy like call it anything probably if you're going to use poly it needs to be in context so it's yeah. like contextually it's fine i think it's fine to use but like if you're doing it in a name and someone's going to be searching for you like that's the exact issue polynesians were complaining about probably shouldn't do it yeah. and it's a title you can literally just call it polyamory and then just use the word poly everywhere else but use it long form in your title come on yeah Oof. yeah so too many people just don't know how to be on the internet and i think they should stop being on the internet i mean <laughs> That's my that's my opinion. It's not a bad opinion. It's not a bad opinion. I just think that um, we need to do a better job of educating our kids. We got to teach our kids yeah. like not not necessarily etiquette. Like there's no like one right way to be. Just like some some basic awareness that when you're anonymous, when you know someone can't really get to you, or when you know you can block someone, people's behaviors change. And teaching our kids yeah. that not to be that asshole, not to not to take it out on someone online, like that's that's critical. Like one of the things that happened with COVID, the, when the pandemic sort of hit, signs started going up, city signs that said things like, you know, be safe, be kind. And they were stressing yeah. be kind because everyone's so fucking burnt out and stressed that like we take it out on each other. Like we get angry at public servants. We get angry when we go to the grocery store. Like I've seen people angry everywhere and it's just like, okay. chill the fuck out. I know it's really stressful, but it's not going to make you less stressed to like yeah. be this upset with some random stranger who just fucking does not deserve that. I literally, if I get mad at something on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, and just in life in general, I've started doing this thing that I think they taught us in elementary school where you count to 10 before you make your decision. Wow. I love and it. In that, in those 10 seconds, your brain has the chance to be like, am I about to be a huge prick? Mm -hmm. Huh? Maybe I should stop. <laughs> and then it prevents me from posting the, like the insult, no matter, like, even if it was good, it, I, you know, it just prevents me from hurting somebody else's feelings just because I have hurt feelings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you don't yeah. need a doctorate in criminology to know that hurt people hurt people. Exactly. Yeah. And like, you know, sometimes I'm like, damn, that would have been a really good roast. <laughs> but then I just go outside and I'm like, hey, Nick, this is what I was going to say to this guy. And he's like, that's, that's funny. <laughs> But then I don't have to say it on the internet and it's not in there forever. That's amazing. And this is why you're yeah. married. Yeah. <laughs> we also have to teach kids that the internet doesn't forget. Right. Um, because that is something that I don't think a lot of people actually know. Yeah. Like the idea that if you post something online, it's there in perpetuity. And like people yes. that are clever enough can find it, even if the site doesn't host it anymore. There are cached versions on search engines and there's internet time machine, um, which is a site yep. dedicated to archiving all the sites on the internet. So stuff that's been taken down is not always taken down everywhere. So you, you don't really get a chance to unsay things anymore. And I think the Google before you tweet is becoming the new think before you speak. Yes, absolutely. I do it all the time just so that I don't have to look like an asshole. Yep. I don't like being wrong. <laughs> it really bums me out. <laughs> so I, you know, 20 second Google search. Is this fact correct? No, then I'm not going to say it. Yeah. Facebook has started catching it now that there's been an insurrection. 
So yeah. I, yeah. I've noticed that a lot of posts have been like, we noticed that this has like not factual information um, and we're going to hide it. And I'm like, thank you. Yeah. I've also, um, I've also tried to share something, which was that guy um, in the Capitol Hill riots who supposedly tased himself in the balls, had a heart attack and died. Yeah. Um, and there was Snopes said they couldn't verify it, but they couldn't deny it because there were reports on the ground that someone did tase themselves and that someone did die of a heart attack and they're not sure if it's the same person. Right. Yeah. It's two, yeah. It's probably most likely two different people, right. two different situations. Right, Cause there obviously is a dead person who died of a heart attack. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, someone did apparently tase themselves, possibly in the balls. We don't know. Um, but the news story that came out was like, hey, look at this white dude holding two assault rifles. He tased himself in the balls and then died of a heart attack. And all the people who are like, you know, in favor of like reasonable gun legislation that doesn't uh, that doesn't allow people to. I mean, I say reasonable because I don't think it's reasonable for a person to carry two assault rifles with them in public. But just yeah, my, I don't think so. Either. Just my opinion, and that of everybody, then that of the laws in Canada, um, and Australia, and many other places. Um, yeah. But the uh, but the interesting thing is, Facebook jumped to that man's defense faster than than I've ever seen them jump to anyone's defense, and I haven't seen a moderated comment like that since. But my hope is, huh. my hope is, they were rolling it out in like slow, slowly. And trying to troubleshoot what's wrong with it. My hope is they'll roll that out for all the conspiracy theories to be like, this has been debunked. Are you really sure you want to proceed with this? Yeah. Those, those QAnon pages need to start going down. Um, Yeah. Like they, they just, they need to start deleting them. Um, We're talking about propaganda. Yeah. Yeah. Like patently Um, false propaganda. QAnon especially. I don't know if you've read that subreddit where it's like people who have literally lost friends and relatives to QAnon. No, I haven't. Um, I can't remember what it's called, um, but it's it's people who have said like, oh, my my brother got really deep into this, and all of a sudden I don't know this person anymore. Right. Like it just it's taken over his entire life, his entire personality, um, and some like most of the shit that he's saying to me doesn't make any sense. It's and it's just like it it's so sad because you know we we it, we make fun of conspiracy theorists where it's like. How can you believe this much misinformation? But, but the real people. When you're, yeah, and when you're desperate. Yeah. And in a situation like this, I mean, you know, that's what <laughs> it's cult thinking. Yeah. And when you're and yeah. the desperate piece is so crucial because right now there's a global pandemic and some people are yeah. are very poor. Some people who, you know, really subscribe <clears throat> to a lot of poor shamey, you know, narratives are suddenly finding themselves without a job or finding themselves poor. They don't know what to do. There's lots of shame. And very scared. Yes. Very scared. Like they need something to believe in. They need a reason for why there's so much suffering in the world. Yeah. 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 It's just, uh, the, the, that whole subreddit is just so tragic. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to watch people like kind of fall for that shit. It's, it's um, like flat earthers or anything else. What's crazy is there was a period of time when conspiracy theories weren't all that big. Yeah. Like I remember 20 years ago, 15, 10 years ago, even um, where flat earthers weren't really a thing 15 years ago. Like they weren't a thing that the mainstream knew anything about. 15 years ago, it was 9-11 was an inside job. That's right. Oh, my God. Jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams. That's right. That's right. Something about lizard people, which I'm pretty sure is anti-Semitic. I don't even understand how that's possible, but I'll take your word I, on it. I, I'm sure it probably is. I, I, some, I don't know. I probably read it on Twitter. It's probably not true. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like I, those were the main ones that was. And then, do you remember that movie uh, Zeitgeist? Yes. It was on YouTube. Yes. That movie is, I watched it again a couple of days ago and I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> this whole movie is bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, it was like QAnon primer. Right. Uh, like, it was like, all oh, the politicians are controlling all the money. And I'm like, I mean. They're politicians. Sort, sort of. That's kind of what we pay them to do. Yeah. But like not, it's it's not a global conspiracy. No, it's just democracy <laughs> Work, yeah. working as poorly as it's ever going to. It's like, it's, you can't be mad at this made up conspiracy. What you should be mad at is capitalism, baby. Yeah, baby. That's what you should be mad at. <laughs> oh my God. It's just Mr. Burns and the Speedway Squad in color. Let's burn rubber, <laughs> baby. 
the whole monorail song just started playing in my head just now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. There's something really great from that episode that isn't the monorail song. And I've completely forgotten what it is. That episode is amazing. There's so many episodes of the Simpsons that are really, really good. Oh, my favorite one is when Homer, uh, starts his own religion <laughs> just because he doesn't want to go to church. <laughs> I, I'm not sure whether it's from the same episode, but there's that bit where he pretends to be a God in like a wooden carving. And he's like, behold, I am your God. I'm King Talkie Tiki. <laughs> yes. Homer, you can't reroute the gas lines. You know how dangerous that is. <laughs> Do not anger Talkie Tiki. <laughs> so good. And then of course he lights everything on fire and goes, I'll be a Moses and just runs off and leaves Marge to deal with all of it. Oh, so good. All right. I, th God, I, <laughs> I think we should wrap this up, though. That was, uh, we definitely had great content and did a lot of um, meandering, but I don't mind that so much. Um, it's been really great catching up. Yeah, it has been. So how was it, Intimates? Let us know on Patreon or start a discussion on Facebook. And if you want to keep being super awesome, you can help us out by going and leaving us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Social proof like that helps so much. You can also just tap share on this episode and send it to someone you think might like it. Thanks so much for helping build the community and the show. I look forward to chatting with you on Discord or writing back and forth on Patreon. The intro music was Show Me, the instrumental version by Josh Woodward, and this outro music is Arrival by How the Night Came. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs>